a woman who is a master of martial arts disguises herself as a man, travels the land with a sword given to her by a great blind swordsmith on a quest for vengeance. This amazing story is packed full of drama, sex, and action. It's on, and the whole time it's on the screen, it looks absolutely beautiful. Yes, I'm talking about the Blue-Eyed Samurai, now currently playing on Netflix. Created by Amber Noizumi and Michael Green. Sorry, Maya S. Crime, George Takai, Masioka, Kerry Hiroki, Tagoa, Brenda Song, Darren Bennett, Randall Park, and Kenneth Bernal. This story is just amazing. And if you haven't seen it and you want to check it out, make sure you do so because we're going to go through heavy spoilers on this episode. I'm Edgar Otraves. My co host today will be Lechuga. And you're listening to the Floral Podcast. Now, if you're new to the show, make sure you check out our website, thefloralpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes, and you'll also find out a little bit more about the hosts on this show. Now, as far as Blue-Eyed Samurai, I highly recommend you watch this show. It's really good. You can find it currently on Netflix. And if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to go check it out before we go into this episode, because we're going to do some heavy spoilers. So, without further ado, on with the show. So, uh, welcome to another episode of the Flow Podcast. I am Ergo Traves, and today my co-host is Lechuga, and we're going to be talking about Blue Eye Samurai, which you can find on Netflix. Lechuga, man. So, like, uh, you you brought the show to me. Obviously, you like it. Mm-hmm. What was some of the things that you dug about the show? Oh, man. Uh, I'm normally, like you would know, I'm not really that into anime or keyed mm-hmm. into anime. Like, I'll check it out if someone's like, you really need to watch this. So eventually I'll get around to it. Due to like the writer strike and the acting strike, all that stuff. Like, I just ran out of shit to watch. So I was trying to find something new. And then I randomly watched the trailer for Blue Eye Samurai. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, this looks crazy. <laughs> yeah. So then I, I looked it up a little bit more. And then it, it was created by a husband and wife. Okay. Uh, the guy was behind like Blade Runner, the newest Blade Runner that came out, and he had worked on a couple other things that I liked. I can't remember right now. But the funny thing is, I didn't. I don't have Netflix. Like I had canceled my subscription a while back, mm-hmm. probably like three price hikes ago. And like the first episode for Blue Eye Samurai was on YouTube. They put the entire first episode on there. So I'm like, fuck it, we'll watch it. So I watched it with my girlfriend, and we got immediately hooked. To the point where I then started a new Netflix subscription just so I could keep watching this fucking show. <laughs> yeah, dude. So this guy is known for being a writer on Logan. Yeah, there you go. Logan was the other one. Yeah. I, fucking, I love anyone that grew up watching X-Men loves Logan. So yeah. So Logan, Blade Runner or the new Blade Runner and the uh, Green Lantern. Uh, yeah. Along with heroes. So, I mean, Green Lantern, uh, probably not the, the no. biggest resume uh, stuffer there that you want to be showing. But yeah, that's that's on there. He's got a couple. He's got other cool things on here. Raising Dion. I guess he's also a producer on that. Um, so yeah. that's interesting. It's mostly Logan and Blade Runner. When I yeah. saw those two, that kind of sold me. All right, I'll check this out. Well, it looks like he, he did some writing on on Smallville as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, oh, and Sex in the City. So, yeah, he's he's been around a while. <laughs> You're like, oh, Sex in the City. That's yeah. why I yeah. tuned in. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying those are some of the <laughs> notable yeah. things that he has on his resume. 
um but yeah so yeah the, the cast in itself is pretty interesting i mean they got a lot of uh, asian representation on the show um mm-hmm. they got the uh, mazi oka who is hero on the uh, show heroes yeah you remember him yeah i do yeah and he's uh ringo in this right yeah he's ringo brenda song is a kemi george sakai yeah. is seki who is like the father figure to a, mm-hmm. uh, a kemi and i thought he was great too Oh, he was wonderful. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if George Sakai does more uh, voice actor work or not, or if this is his first time, but I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, no, I, he's he's done other, I think, uh, other voice over work, but I, I, I really, really, I think usually it's not that notable. I think this time he really shined. Um, yeah. And of, of course, Mia S. Erskine is Mizu. Yeah, she's uh, she's been in a lot of stuff too. Yeah. Most of the time, I, she also was like a writer and a creator. She has a show with her friend called Pen15. Yes. Where she's yeah. like, they're kids or something and they go back yeah, in time or something. Yeah, it's a weird show. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see it, but I, I know of it. Yeah. Uh, you know who's also on here is Randall Park. Yeah. He's, he plays uh, Heji, the Shindo, who's like a helper. He's, he's interesting. I thought he was interesting. That guy's been in a ton of stuff. I was going to say there's also the guy that uh, does the voice for Tygen. Mm-hmm. He's in a bunch of stuff too. A bunch of Netflix shows like uh, Never Have I Ever. Pretty much everything he's in, he plays a handsome guy. <laughs> Including this, I guess though. So. Yeah, and you can't even see him, right? Like, I mean, yeah. they, got, they got him animated, but yes, yeah, yeah, he gets to play the handsome guy role. Yeah. <laughs> fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. They should give the handsome guy role to like a fucking ugly motherfucker like myself, man. It's just like, it's just a fucking voice. Just the I voice. I guess so, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, really, does he, I mean, does it really matter what this guy looks like? He's, it's animated, you know? Jesus Christ. It, I don't know, man. It's kind of like that across, like, with video games, too. Yeah. Like, the cool, like, character or whatever. You look up their voice actors, and it's also either, like, beautiful women or really handsome dudes. Fucking nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's voice yeah. acting. It's voice acting. It doesn't matter what they look like. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. Have you oh, ever man. Have you ever seen some of the some of the radio disc jockeys and stuff that come out, you know, on, on public radio? Like uh, they, yeah. they put I've seen every now and then they'll put somebody up on a billboard and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Uh damn dude, like it's cool that you put your face up there and stuff, but maybe uh <laughs> probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably you yeah. shouldn't refrain from that, you know. Well, that's where the phrase uh you got a face for radio comes mm. from. I'm sure that's going to start changing. It's going to move over to like, you got a face for podcasting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude, like, man, this show was so good. So like some of the things that I really appreciated about the show was like, it's aesthetically beautiful. It is so goddamn beautiful. Like, okay. I'm glad you agreed. I thought it was gorgeous. I mm-hmm. thought the animation was just like, I felt like there was dude, several times through every episode, you could just pause and it felt like you were looking at a painting. Like I thought that was that beautiful. Yeah. But I'm not a traditional anime person. I mean, technically this isn't even an anime cause it's Western. It's yeah. made in the U S and then the animators aren't from Japan either. Um, but I, I, I consider it an anime as a casual, but I know some people that are really into anime don't really like cell shaded anime, which is what this is. Cause it's yeah. not traditional. It's it's not traditional animation. It's it's uh, uh, it's 3D uh, with the like the cell shading layer or filter put on. Mm-hmm. So it gives it that 
2D flat look, but it's actually it's actually you know 3D animation. I mean, there was there was times where it bugged me a little bit, but that's mm-hmm. because I appreciate 2D animation. I really do like 2D animation over over 3D, and uh, I know that there's been plenty of talk over the years where they say, oh well, 2D is going to go away. Yeah, but you know, yet it's still around, right? So. I, I get tired of the 3D look just in general, but in this particular show, I thought it was amazing because there was just some frames you're not going to be able to do with mm-hmm. traditional animation. It it was just so well done in that respect. Like there's that, and then there's the fight scenes. Oh yeah, fight scenes were superb, dude. Dude, I knew when I recommended this show, I'm like, I don't know if he's gonna like the story. But I think the fight choreography is going to make him keep watching. No, I loved every bit of it. Not just the fight scenes, but the story as well. It paid homage to a lot of different things like you mentioned mm-hmm. offline. You said it was Kill Bill meets Mulan. Yeah, I would describe it as if Disney had hired Quentin Tarantino to direct Mulan. I think this <laughs> is what you would have got. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, this is not a kid's movie, you know? No, no, Jesus Christ, no. Which is funny you mention that. So <laughs> I, I'm assuming you binged a bunch of the show too, right? Yeah. Binge right through it, man. I watched yeah, exactly. it in like two days. <laughs> yeah. that's We finished in two days too. Yeah. And I was, I was watching with my girlfriend and across the street from us, directly across from us is uh house <laughs> and like his kid's bedroom looks directly into our living room. we had no when we started the show i had no idea how much fucking nudity is in it and it's like a lot it's not even like glimpses of it it's like no it's on the screen for a while yeah it's like you're uncomfortable that's how long it's on the screen (laughs) so like we're the entire time we're watching it we're just wondering like the fucking thinks that me and you sit around for like six straight hours watching like hentai porn or something over here. <laughs> it is, it's poor fucking kids, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. The kids are probably watching over the, you know, over from their rooms and stuff. They're not going to tell their dad. They're going to watch the porn, you know, <laughs> Jesus. <dude. Yeah. laughs> I'm just waiting for like a knock at my door or something. No, they're going to be really passive aggressive. They're going to like pass some ordinance. All right. You got to oh, close yeah, right. your windows now. And, you know, <laughs> after six o'clock, some yeah. <laughs> a very artistic, beautiful cartoon porn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty graphic. I mean, yeah. th- there's scenes in this show where they go to brothels and stuff and mm-hmm. they do not shy away from like the animated ding dongs flapping around on the screen. You know, it's just, I was like, whoa, dude. And it's like everything. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of pornish, you know? Yeah, man. Actually, you know, before we keep going, should we do like a quick synopsis or something about what the show's about? We can go uh, do a quick synopsis. You want to try to keep it under 10 minutes or whatever? Or Oh, easy. I think I do it. I think I could do it like in two minutes. Okay. Whoa. Wow. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, like we said earlier, this show is like if Mulan was in the Kill Bill universe. And it follows the main character is Mizu, who at first as the audience you're led to believe is a young man. But it turns out Mizu is actually a girl pretending to be a a boy because during this time it was disadvantaged. It was disadvantageous for a woman to be out and alone, out alone in this world. So she was told to be a boy from a very young age and she's out for revenge because this is also during the time of Japan where Japan was closed off to the rest of the world. It was briefly opened up a bit 
And that is when some white men came in, one of which were led to believe raped her mother. And she is the result of that rape. She has now grown up and she wants to get revenge on one of the white men that raped her mom. She doesn't know exactly who it was, but she has the she has it narrowed down to four. So the entire series is her trying to track down and kill all four of those men. And as the series continues, it's kind of like um, it's Mizu wrestling with her desire for revenge. And also what that means to the people that care about her and how destructive it is, not just for her, but for others around her and whether or not it's worth it <laughs> uh, over and over again, she chooses the path of revenge, but she's a very interesting character in the fact that she doesn't have a master. Nobody would teach her how to use the sword. Mm -hmm. So she, I'm sorry, are you done with the synopsis? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, okay. man. So, like, no one teaches her how to use the sword. She learns by watching other people, other swordsmen, come by where she's staying, which, which is with the, the person that she calls Swordfather, who's yeah. a blind swordsman, or not a blind swordsman, but a blind sword, sword maker. maker. Yeah, I love that guy. That guy's awesome. So, yeah. um, he, you know, he's making swords. These people come to him to make swords for them. And uh, while these people are waiting and he's making swords, some of these people will practice in the backyard and Mizu will watch mm -hmm. and learn from everyone that comes by. So she eventually becomes like her own encyclopedia of all these different sword styles. She is like super well-versed in the martial arts, especially the sword from all her watching because she will watch these people and then she will go and practice on her own at night. Mm -hmm. It was... <laughs> Really cool and really interesting because in her first fight that we see as the audience, she basically fights all these swordsmen and is naming off all the different techniques that these people are throwing at her. And she's yeah. like, that's inferior to this technique and she'll do this technique. Then the opponents are like, so you must be from this house or style of martial arts. And she's mm -hmm. like, I don't. I don't know about it to any style. I was like, damn, yeah. they got some Chikundo in there. You know, they got some, some of that concept where she's, she uses what is useful and just kind of puts that together. So like some of the things that they pulled into the show is really like well-versed, you know, or it makes sense. Right. So like, uh, she, she doesn't have a style. That's very like, that's like the, the Chikundo concept of like, you take what's useful from the different martial arts and, and what suits you, your body, et cetera. Um, but she's super well educated in the martial arts. Uh, so would you say she was uh, Mizu was the first uh, MMA practitioner in the history of the world? Uh, basically, the first uh, practitioner of Chikundo. But yeah, mixed martial arts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, something I forgot to message mention. Uh, it's called Blue Eyed Samurai because Mizu has blue eyes as a result of her father being white. Um, but because this is during uh, period in Japan before it was tainted by Western influence, Western features, specifically blue eyes, are looked at like a deformity. Like you're disgusting if you have Western features, especially something like blue eyes, they can't be hidden. Yeah. So even though she's been pretending to be a boy pretty much since she was a, a small child, because she has blue eyes, she's still bullied and she's still treated like a monster and unwanted, unloved, and just cast aside. Yeah. And at one point, uh, like you said, she's been bullied and, and just kind of beat up. Uh, one of her bullies, uh, Tegan, 
is uh, one of the reoccurring characters in the show. Mm-hmm. She meets up in the first uh, episode and she kicks his ass. Yeah. Know? And um, Tigan is considered the best swordsman and samurai in all of Eto, all of Japan at the time too. Yeah. And, and his skills kind of comparing uh, dull in comparison, uh, you know, to, to Mizu because Mizu is just, I mean, the show makes her out to be such a badass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, there's, there's some really great highlights, some really awesome fight scenes. Uh, some of the more interesting ones are like the ones that she has. I mean, obviously the fight with, with Tigan or Tegan or whatever his name is. Um, uh, the other show, the other fight is, I mean, that was, that first fight is amazing just because it's like the first time you actually see her use her skills mm-hmm. against several uh, martial artists and she's superior to them. So that was fascinating, but, uh, um, the one, uh, the one fight scene where she has with the four, what do they call them? The four claws or the four, uh, uh which one, the four like assassins they send yeah, after yeah, her. Yeah. The yeah four I can't s- remember what they're called. Yeah. But they, she had the, they were like jumping on off the cliff and stuff. Yeah. That was super interesting. That was that really was, cool. Very reminiscent of like martial arts Hong Kong films yeah. uh, in the in the in the nineties, where mm-hmm. they had like these props and they would use the props in the martial arts at the same time. And sometimes it was something like this, where it was uh, they were jumping off a cliff. It reminded me very much of like uh, uh, what's it called, Iron Monkey, where mm-hmm. in Iron Monkey they 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 have these. Um, posts where they fight and the, and everything underneath the posts were on fire. And while they yeah. were fighting, the posts would like fight, you know, you know, deteriorate into the fire and they would run out of posts. It was similar to that. People were falling off the cliff and stuff like that. There was another movie that it reminds me of. I think it was called Mahjong, Mahjong, Mahjong King or Mahjong Dragon or something like that. And at the end of the fight scene, in the, the one of the big fight scenes is they're, they're having this fight in like a produce warehouse and they're fighting on top of these boxes and produce boxes. And while they were fighting on these boxes, the bad guy was kicking the boxes off and the the good guy was running out of places to, to jump. So it was very reminiscent of that kind of stuff. Uh, I thought it was really, really, really cool. Um, But I think (laughs) you should also mention the fight scenes are brutal. Oh, they're super bloody, super bloody. Um, guts, blood, arms flying everywhere, yeah, bones <laughs> breaking out of skin and stuff. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Uh, but I think I think one of the coolest things was like she was in that particular fight scene with the four assassins. She's beaten down. She's on the ground. She's lost. She's she's running out of things to 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 like combat the the last villain in this particular scene. And I didn't see this coming. She grabbed her sword and just threw it at the guy. Yeah. And I was like, that is so clever. She wasn't <laughs> even looking at him. She just threw it at him. I was yeah. just like, how bad, you know, that's the other thing too. Like you don't need, I know it's animated, but like suspension of disbelief, I had no problem with it. You know, I was just, I, I, I saw that and I said, you're badass. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're like an animated character. None of this is even real. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I was like so into it, man. Like everything about this show is so good. That was another one of my favorites. I uh I really dug how she tried to get through the castle 
I thought mm-hmm. that was fun and interesting. Um, but I think I think my favorite scene was when she defended the the whorehouse uh, against the the local lord. Yeah, that was I, I I felt like there was a little bit of like Kill Bill in that in that scene mm-hmm. where they have like the crazy eighty eights coming into the house. Yeah, you know, a little. It's not exactly you know, but it was a lot of them. Yeah. You know, so like, uh, but the other thing too is like, I think they even had music that came from Kill Bill, you know? Yeah, there was, I don't know if it was the exact same songs from Kill Bill, but mm-hmm. it's similar vibes pretty much. Yeah. They they had like a, a, like a Japanese, like surf song or whatever they call that mm-hmm. in uh, the episode where he, where she's trying to get into the castle. Yeah. And I, I was just like, oh, this is like that. Again, that crazy fight scene right before everything starts. They have that punk rock band singing that crazy song mm-hmm. in in, uh, in Kill Bill. It was very reminiscent to that. I was just like, damn, they, they borrowed a lot from a lot of other uh, people, genres. It was just so good. They also used a Japanese cover of Metallica in that castle scene too, which I thought was really badass. Really? <laughs> yeah, you didn't pick up on that. It's uh, uh I think it was Master of Puppets. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was either Master of Puppets or Sandman. I, I can't remember now, but yeah, it was a Japanese cover of it. And I thought it was perfect for the scene. Yeah. You know something else I really liked about the fight scenes and the fight choreography was the camera work. Because I feel like sometimes in, in animated stuff, while the fight scenes are cool, they feel like flat. Like it feels very 2D mm-hmm. while in this one, the camera's like zooming around and zipping in and out and like changing angles constantly. Mm-hmm. And it makes it f- like feel more dynamic. Like if you're, even though it's an animated show, it feels like you're watching this like real people fight almost. There was, um, there, there is absolutely an advantage to having this animated. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's the ability to put camera, the camera anywhere and yeah. still be able to read what's happening on the screen. Cause one of the reasons uh, martial arts films are s- shot a certain way is cause you want, cause the action's happening so fast. You want to be able to register what you're seeing on the screen, right? If you, if, if it's, if you can't really see what's happening, if it's, you're too close, um, you're, or the angle's weird and you can't read what's actually going on. It just, it just becomes a, a mess on the screen you know, mm-hmm. and you're missing everything. So a lot of, especially older Hong Kong movies, they'll shoot these movies straight on, straight on, yeah. you know, no, no crazy angles, no nothing. And if there is a crazy angle, it's on a specific move, right? They'll, they'll, they'll shoot a wide shot, capture the whole body, see the kicks and punches. And then if they got like a special move or something, they really want to accent, act, you know, put an accent on, then they'll cut and bring it in on a, on a funny angle or over the shoulder or something. But for the most part, those, those scenes are shot wide. That's why a lot of, uh, that's why a lot of people complain about American films because uh, in American films and where people are performing martial arts, especially when it's like the untrained actor who's trying to perform these martial arts moves, they, they, <laughs> they purposely choose a crazy angle or speed up the the the, the yeah. motion or do something weird do all these crazy cuts multiple cuts yeah. to the hide cuts. the yeah the quick cuts to hide the fact that the guy who's performing doesn't really know martial arts 
It looks yeah. awful. It's like it, disorienting. Yeah, yeah. And it's on purpose. It's on purpose because yeah. they're trying to hide the, the lack of martial arts skill in the person that performs. That's one of the biggest complaints because even when the when the person is skilled in the martial arts, American producers and or directors or whatever will still do that shit with the camera, you know, and it's just irritating. But in this in this show, you can put the camera anywhere and you know change the lighting in such a way and it'll be and everything is 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 able to be read. I didn't have it a single problem or complaint in that regard with the martial arts cinematography in this show. It's just I just I was just so impressed with this show, man. All the references, all the martial arts, uh the characters are cool. There's even there's even like quite a bit of like character growth in Mizu cuz she's not just a ruffian. No. She's a woman. She's you know, I was just thinking, oh, well, she's just going to be like this male, male or masculine character, and she's just going to go around and kick ass. She gets married in the in the show, yeah, and has and actually falls in love. And I, there, I think there was an actual real love going on there. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to talk about that a little bit because I did not completely understand. What was going on in that guy's head? Her husband. She okay. marries. So in the in the show, she eventually kind of gets sidetracked and gets married. This is uh, episode five. Is the, it episode five? Yeah, the bride and the Ronin. Yes. This is the episode that's been getting the most attention. Really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Uh, people love this episode. We should add that the way the episode is structured is while you're seeing Mizo's story with her husband and their relationship it's also being intercut with scenes from um from what's it called like a minstrel type of play like a puppet play yeah there but there's a japanese name for it now i can't remember Mm. um but yeah it's being intercut with a play that's called the bride and the ronin and it's about a bride that falls in love with a ronin and then turns into a monster as Mm. the story progresses and it kind of represents what we're seeing in mizu as well so like as the story is going of course like you're you're highlighting the puppets are playing out the story but not exactly you know because it, it's kind of like a straight tale you know yeah but in the actual story of the show it's it's a little more complicated than that because uh like i said mizu runs into her mother who is or who we think is her mother who is a prostitute she convinces mizu to get married and she finds her a husband and this guy is willing to take on Mizu uh, as a husband. And I say willing because apparently like you, like you mentioned earlier, she's considered ugly because of her blue eyes. Right. Yeah. And even before that, uh, like you said, the sword father, the sword maker was pretty much the only mentor she ever had. Mm-hmm. And that's cause he was blind. He didn't yeah. know that she had blue eyes. Yeah. He's even made comments about like, it doesn't matter, you know, I can't see what you look like, so I don't care if you're ugly or not, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But anyway, like she meets this guy, he's like a, he raises horses or breaks horses or whatever. And there's a- He himself, he's like a disgraced samurai. So they're both like at low points in their life. Yes. He takes these horses, he finds these wild horses and he trains them. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, a little bit of a metaphor for her or it's the symbolic of- what he's doing with her he's he's taking his time and getting her to kind of break if you want to use the same kind of lingo mm-hmm. so that she stops being so defensive 
And eventually this, she, you know, she falls in love with him and it's like, you know, it's pretty true love. And I, <laughs> I thought at this point, I was like, Oh, well, you know, this guy is going to be, you know, something's going to happen to this guy or she, yeah. you know, she's going to avenge this guy or this guy's waiting for her some, some place. And that is not the case. Cause then it's <laughs> like, he, he figures out cause the whole time she's hiding who she really is, which again yeah. is kind of reminiscent of Kill Bill because one of the things Bill says to the bride is that you're like Superman, you know, uh, you you go around pretending to be human, but really you're super strong. Yeah, and that's that's the difference. You know, like Clark Kent is the perception of of Superman of the human race, and so yeah. she she's going around hiding her skill this the whole time in the, in the movie, and there's all these little things it's just like i know you could probably you know do all these things and you're not you're holding back so finally like the husband i guess they share you know she he gets to know her pretty well and then she starts to share more with him and then he's like well so you know how to use a sword well why don't you show me you know and he's thinking it's like this cute little thing yeah where she thinks she knows how to use a sword and you know at first she kind of lets him win but then as it fighting goes on, she very handedly kicks his ass. Yeah. And he can't deal with losing. It was so oh. fucking weird to me. It's just like, dude, so she kicked your ass, you know? But yeah. I mean, I understand that we're, we're probably looking at the lens of a, like a very traditional society way back when, you know? Um, so, I mean, not everybody has that perspective, right? Um, so he takes offense to it. Or, or you know, it, it hurts his ego or whatever, and then mm -hmm. calls um, the the police on her basically. So these guys, these, well, these bounty hunters, we're showed. not sure. Oh no, yeah. it was him. It was him. <laughs> it was it was him. You're right. We're not sure. Like they don't really lead on, mm -hmm. but I think I'm pretty sure it's him. Well, no, because later on in the show, Fowler, Fowler, yes, yeah. Fowler, yeah, he hints at her that it was actually the mom. When she confronts Fowler at the end, mm -hmm. he alludes that it was the mom, the one that called the police on her. Uh, I don't know. So we're still left to wonder because where you're getting to at the end is, so she has a falling out with her husband because she not only outduels him, she embarrasses him. Yeah. She literally kicks his ass. She is leagues beyond him in terms of how good of a swordsman she is. And he's extremely offended and, I mean, you also have to think about it's, this is, I think the 1700s. Mm -hmm. So uh, the idea of a wife being able to beat up her husband really kind of breaks his brain. And then two, <laughs> I mean, the guy's raising horses, not because he wants to, he's trying to raise a horse so he can present the perfect horse to the emperor and the emperor will welcome him back. So he mm -hmm. can go back to being a samurai. Yeah. Cause that's what he feels. He's actually good at yeah. he's a fighter, a swordsman. And now his wife, who he has never even heard of before, didn't even know she was good with a sword, just beat the shit out of him. Yeah. So like he's completely feels emasculated and he gets offended. Soon after that, um, I guess we should have mentioned Akemi's also or Akemi. Uh Mizu's kind of wanted throughout Japan. Um because the the main white guy, Fowler, um, he and the other white dudes want to kill all their bastards that yeah. they left behind so there's a reward out for her um so then these police guys show up to arrest her 
and you're not sure if it was her husband that called the police on her because he felt embarrassed by her or if it was actually her mom because the mom has a drug habit uh mizu and her husband had decided not to give the mom money anymore because she was using all the money to buy drugs yeah and shortly after they told her no more money the police showed up so you don't know if it was the mom or the husband but regardless the police are now there to arrest her so like the crazy thing is i think it was it was the husband because mizu's mom said that she was back to you know working the streets Mm-hmm. right and that's how she had the money to pick up her medication yeah you know which is how she referred to it and so then you know after she defeats all the guardsmen or or bounty hunters that show up to take her away they start bickering the husband and mizu's mom they start bickering and she she's like no i never called it i told you i was you know working again and so that's how i had the money and then he's like, no, you're lying. I would never call people to come and get her. And so they start fighting. And then the husband stabs the mom mm-hmm. and Mizu throws a sword at him and kills him from like, like not even looking. Yeah. And then both of them are dead. And I was just like, never saw that coming. Yeah. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I think that's one of the things that's so refreshing about the, uh, about the show. There's a lot of references to things I know. And uh, I have a bad habit of sitting and watching a show and being able to predict where the episode is going or where the movie is going or where the show is going. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from the obvious that she's going to hunt all the bad guys and kill them all, which even in this, in this particular season is not exactly true. Yeah. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I never know what's yeah. going to happen. Everything is new to me when it comes to this, to this show, which is really, really refreshing because as I'm saying, I, I didn't see the ending coming. I didn't see at the end when she, and I mean, of course we're, we're giving away spoilers, but like at the very end of this season, she captures the bad guy, doesn't kill him. Yeah. The bad guy Fowler convinces Mizu to keep him alive for informational purposes. Yeah. In order to find the other, the, the other, other three, the other three. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, no, kill the motherfucker. And we should say throughout the season, as you get to know Fowler, this guy that she was hunting down, everything you get to know about him becomes worse than what you knew before. Like he just <laughs> keeps progressively getting worse and worse and worse to the point when we finally reach the finale, you hate this guy as much as she does. And all mm. you want to do, you just want, you're just like, just. I want to see this fucking guy dead. Like, yeah. I want to see his guts torn out. Like just fucking kill him. Yeah. Like, yeah. like he, he's already told you enough. He's, he gave you names, you know, yeah. you, you, you track down the other guys with much less. You don't need him anymore. You know? And, she, and he's like, Oh, well, you still need me because you got to go to London. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, fuck this guy. Just, you already know, <laughs> you already know where you need to go. You got the names. Just, fucking kill him but no i'll tell you that was one of my nitpicks really? i did not like how it ended no i didn't like that finality and i didn't like that resolution or that she's going to london now like i didn't i didn't care for that i was i was like at least maim him chop off <laughs> chop off all his toes so he can't she, walk right you yeah know? right oh so he can't run away yeah you I mean, know? she needed him in the face like 30 times. That did happen. <laughs> yeah, she need him good, man. She's like, she started just 
I think she caught him a few times in the balls and then she just yeah. went to the face. She was like, pat, pat, pat. And I'm like, Ooh, it wasn't even like all the other fight scenes are, are like, uh, very well choreographed and very flowery. That end mm-hmm. was messy. I mean, she's, there was yeah. other messy scenes, but that one was dirty. That was like down and dirty, you know? Yeah. Ah, oh, dude, this show is so good. Uh, you know, that that at the end too, when, um, the entire palace burns down and like half of the, the city Atto burns down. That all really happened. That's all based on a true event. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, fuck. I don't remember how many people died, but at the time it was considered like the most casualties as a result of a fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. So that all happened. Someone trying to take title of emperor by force like that also really happened. I think several times actually in Japanese history. Huh. But yeah, a lot of the stuff they portray in the series is based on true events. Huh. Mizu, the character of Mizu is not real, obviously, yeah. but a lot of the stuff that's happening during the time she's alive was really happening. Wow. That's so cool. And it's, and it's a series of like several protagonists. It's not just Mizu, the protagonist. It's like Mizu, uh, Taigen, um, and uh, the, the other girl. What's the name of the girl? Um, Akemi. Akemi. Yeah. Like all those, all those characters, those three characters, they're, they're protagonists in this story. Yeah. And they all have a lot of growth. Like they, the characters you meet at the beginning are very different than the ones you meet at the end. 100%. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the most interesting, I mean, I found, I found, don't get me wrong. I find Mizu very compelling, very interesting, but uh, Akemi has a very unique path. You know, she, she decides at the end of the show to kind of go the path that her father wanted her to have. And she yeah. becomes the dutiful wife to an heir to the throne, I guess. But under her terms. But under her terms. Yeah. And that was something that she picked up along the way on her journey to find Tegan, who is supposed to be, or Tegan. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you, how is it pronounced? Is it Tegan? Pretty sure Tigan. Tigan. Okay. Yeah. Tigan. It, it on her way, you know, cause Tigan and her were supposed to get married. It's who she was in love with yeah. uh, at the beginning of the series. But, uh, Tigan decides that he, you know, being dishonored by the blue eyed samurai, he wants to go after her or him, Mizu, uh, him, her, whatever, and get his honor back. I, I should say at this point throughout the series, the only people that know that Mizu is actually a girl is us, the audience, and Ringo, her funny sidekick. Ringo, Everyone else thinks that Mizo is a boy. Ringo and the mom. Oh, yeah, that's right. The mom. Oh, and the husband, of course, right? Oh, yeah, the husband. Yeah, but I don't know if the husband knows that she pretended to be a boy. Did she? Did he? I no. don't remember. When he meets, when the husband meets Mizu, he pretty much thinks she's just like an uneducated farm girl that's kind mm. of a tomboy, but yeah. he doesn't know anything about her past. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so then. Uh, Tygen gets Tygen. embarrassed by Mizu. Tygen, yeah, I was like, "What's the name again?" Tygen, <laughs> it, Tygen gets embarrassed by Mizu. Once in front of the entire, uh, what's it called, like the dojo 
right? The entire yeah, school. The school. And he yeah. wants he wants to get his honor back. And so he's you know, he's fixated on this. So he's doing the whole kind of like um what's it called? Goku Vegeta thing where it's just like nobody gets <laughs> to kill you except me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so the whole time, the rest of the show, he's he's like protecting pseudo, not protecting Mizu, you know, just because he wants his vengeance, you know? Yeah. And they're and they're and the only reason they're not getting their vengeance or they're they're getting their their duel on is because they're at various states of of being injured <laughs> yeah that's you exactly know? it yeah, yeah. so and like, there's no honor in killing an injured person no 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 they, they, it's it's all about honor for 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 taking for tygen yeah at one point even she ditches tygen she like knocks him out and leaves him and then she yeah. goes off and, and does the rest of her vengeance right she's off getting her vengeance on and so but like uh ikemi is trying to look for Ta- for Tygen this whole time. Yeah. But she gets wrapped up in this weird path and almost becomes a prostitute. Well, she was working at a whorehouse. Yeah. And pretending to be a prostitute. Yeah. Because uh, she had, uh, which is, Akemi's a princess. Mm-hmm. Her father wants her to marry a prince. So then the families can unite and he becomes more powerful. Akemi wants to marry for love. She wants to marry Tygen because he's the most handsome guy in town and he's really cool and <laughs> she's in love with him. So, yeah, yeah. But the father wants him to marry this guy, another guy that's a prince who's known to be an asshole. Yeah. And the father is telling her, like, it's not about love. It's about creating more power, about the family becoming stronger. So it's the rest of the series is kind of her wrestling with that, which is kind of a trope. You know, we've seen that in a bunch of other types of movies and shows like this. Thought that was interesting though. I, I find that I find that interesting because it's not like, oh, you know, I want to get married for love, and you know, because that's how she starts off. She's very Disney princess, yeah. Uh, but then right away, you know, <laughs> you, you realize, oh no, she's not a Disney Disney princess. She's a, uh, you know, she's kind of like a spoiled brat, you know, here and there. Yeah. As she matures through the show, she loses her parents, which is one of those tropes that they throw at characters so that they have to mature right mm-hmm. and so she loses her dad her actual father but then george takei's character sakai uh i, I forget his name sakai i think yeah, it was sakai yeah he he is actually the person that raised her and yeah. he even says it at the end he's just like i raised you yeah what well, was then, the mom her mother's the one that died when she was young no but sakai dies in the end too oh sakai yeah yeah he you also know? dies at the end he dies at the end and he says i raised you and sakai like the father wanted her to marry a powerful man, mm-hmm. but not for the reasons the father did. Yeah. Sakai always thought that Akemi was really smart. And if as long as she stayed close to power, that's how she would become powerful herself. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That makes her upset with Sakai because she doesn't understand that. She feels like this entire time he's raised her to be like independent and a strong woman why is he trying to force her to get married to someone Mm. because she wasn't really seeing what Sakai was trying to convince her of. Yeah. And he wants her to be a great ruler. Yeah. That she'd be the best thing for Japan. Yes. I saw that and I was just like, Whoa. And the whole time she's had these unconventional teachers, that old man Sakai was teaching her, was raising her to be, independent and smart and educated and have her Mm -hmm. own will, but also on her path to trying to find the love interest, uh, Tygen, when he got, when she got wrapped (laughs) with those prostitutes in the brothel, 
she got an unconventional education there as well from all the women. Yeah. She got some street smarts. She got some street smarts and that house mother or whatever you want to call her. And she also, from them, she kind of learned um, the control that comes with being a woman. Mm -hmm. How, how you can, how men are weak in reality, especially uh, if it's a woman they're attracted to and how you can use that womanhood to gain an advantage. Yeah. To get what you want. It was, uh, it was really interesting because she's finally beginning to realize the power she does have. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting show. And uh, you know what? The, uh, there was that one scene where she realizes her husband has a stutter mm-hmm. and he's super self-conscious about it and she softens. And I was like, is she going to have mercy on him or she's just going to continue to kind of, she softened a little bit, but she also like learned to kind of manipulate him as well. Yeah. You know, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like a cruel manipulation. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was like, it was mercy because she was giving him what he needed and which was confidence. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Did she mess with his mind? Yeah. But it was for his own good along with for hers, you know, like she needs him to be confident as well. This entire storyline. Did you ever watch memoirs of a geisha? I did. I don't remember it too well anymore, but yeah, it was uh, pretty similar to memoirs of a geisha too. I feel like they took a lot of influence from that movie when they put together that storyline of a Kemi, mm-hmm. but like you were saying, I thought it was cool. Cause in the beginning it is kind of Disneyfied, like uh, like a Disney princess where she has to choose she's a princess and she has to choose between love or marrying who her family wants and then we make it to the end where she, it's her choice now she can run away with Tigan. they finally reunite and you expect them to and instead yeah. she tells him no yeah like Tigan's even telling her because throughout the series Tigan is also obsessed with honor and glory and he tells her i don't care about any of that anymore all I yeah. care about is us two being together and starting a life together. And I don't need power. I don't need to be a strong person. I don't need any of that. And it's kind of what you, you think that's what she would have wanted. And instead she tells him, no, yeah. I do need those things. And yeah. she pretty much kind of tells him to fuck off and she leaves him yeah, and goes back to be with the Prince guys so that they can be rulers. Well, it's because she has a sense of duty now. Yeah. She's she it's up to her now to fix Japan. You know, she's going to save Japan from other stupid warlords and stuff. So um yeah, see she's got a greater purpose. Yeah. It's so deep. Like I guess there's a lot of like battling with what is my purpose mm-hmm. this whole time. You think you know what it is. Um, but you may not actually know what your purpose is i i think it's it's i think the only person that actually realized what their purpose is is akemi the other mm-hmm. two characters uh mizu and and uh taigen they still haven't realized what yeah they haven't had that epiphany just yet so i no. want, i almost want to say that this first season is all about akemi like it's it's akemi's growth arc we won't see we won't see i don't think uh, Mizu's final conclusion or epiphany until much later in the show. Yeah. yeah. Mizu's kind of, she's kind of fighting with, um, she feels that her purpose is revenge. Mm-hmm. That is the only thing she's been put on this earth to do is revenge at any cost. 
but she has all the skills of a samurai to be a legendary samurai. However, a samurai lives by an honor code mm-hmm. that she does not adhere to whatsoever. She thinks it's stupid. She, if it, if whatever it is, isn't helping her achieve revenge, she does not care. Even if the other characters in her life all feel like she should be a samurai and get upset with her when she does things that a samurai wouldn't do, they feel betrayed by it when her personally, she doesn't give a shit. But as it keeps going, some of that starts to sink in for her. Yeah. And some of that she starts to see like why that matters mm-hmm. and why maybe having an honor and doing the right thing at times <laughs> is what really matters. She has a little bit, yeah. By the end of the show, she she kind of does get to that conclusion, but not completely well, she, because no, she not, did, she's not fully there. No, she's, she's still not. grappling with that. Yeah, because she she then takes this guy. I don't know <laughs> the the whole. I mean, I I think the ending is very creative, um, because now she's dealing with this untrustworthy source of information. You know, she's got Hannibal Lecter with her. <laughs> And she's traveling yeah. with Hannibal Lecter, and Hannibal and Lecter, she's got him chained up like Hannibal Lecter too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but that that fucking dude's gonna eat her. You know, he's gonna he's gonna do something. He's gonna he's gonna sabotage her. He's gonna mis misinform her. He's gonna try he's to kill her. Fucking awful. He is awful. He's completely untrustworthy. And so yeah. she's taking this guy along, and that'll be interesting to see because he is like. I don't know if you follow Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but he is the Giles, but like an evil version of that, right? He has all <laughs> no, the I information. Didn't. He has yeah. all the information you're looking for that you need, all the wisdom, all the knowledge, but you can't trust the fucking thing that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, I guess he's more like Hannibal <laughs> Lecter, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know, because he also has a bunch of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. But any information he gives you, there's a purpose behind it, right? And yeah. the purpose is to serve his own end, right? Yeah, there's poison in all his words. For sure. He's going to yeah. let you know what he needs you to know. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens next. I the, am too. The next season will be very interesting with her dealing with that asshole, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what they'll do next season. So this, like we said, this season ends. She's on a boat. She has Fowler chained up on the boat and they're on their way to, to England. They're on their way to London mm-hmm. because according to Fowler, that's where she'll find the other men she's trying to kill. According to him anyway. Yeah. According to him. So who knows? Like, so I guess I'm curious to find out how much time we're going to spend in London mm-hmm. because she's the only one of the main characters and Fowler on their way to London. Tygen and Akemi and Ringo and the Swordfather are all still back in Japan. Yeah. So I don't know. Are we still going to get to see any more of their story or is it just going to be London for the majority? And if she is in London, for how long will she be in London kind of a thing? Mm. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how they kind of work that out. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, they're going to jump around a little bit. I would like to think that they were, they're going to continue the story with Akemi and, and Tygen. I would hope so. And I want to know what happens with Tygen because we yeah. have no resolution to his story either. Does he, do we see what happens? I don't remember what happened. Do, do we see what happens with Tygen? No. Uh, he leaves alone after Akemi uh, tells him no. Yeah. And then we don't know what happens to him. So he might be on the boat with her. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know if you noticed, there's there's like two other people on that boat as they pull away at the end scene. Oh, you might be right. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I like, don't remember. They didn't they didn't show us who those two other people are. We just know that there's two people on there. Or I see two other people. So there's like, there's uh, uh, Fowler, Mizu, <laughs> and then like two other people in like the back part of the boat. Uh, so Ringo, there's a character of Ringo. 
he's kind of like the adorable, funny sidekick Mm -hmm. to Mizu. Even though she does not want him around, he makes it his mission to be her assistant. Yeah. Um, Because he feels like that's that's his purpose. Yeah. Her apprentice. Her apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. Her apprentice. We know he's not on the boat because he ends up staying back with the sword father instead. And Mm -hmm. Ringo's under the assumption that Mizu died in the fire. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because Mizu told him to go underneath in the tunnels and wait for her by the well and that she'll meet him there and she never showed up. So he thinks that she died in the fire. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And he goes and tells the sword father that she never came back and the sword father didn't seem convinced that she was dead. Yeah. You know, so I guess we'll see. I would, you know, maybe they have, I mean, I would like to think that Tygen is on that boat, but I don't know. It'd be cool. I yeah. like I like when Tygen and Mizu are together. Yeah. They, there was that weird tussle they had where they were rolling <laughs> around and he, he got an erection, you know? Yeah, he got a boner. Yeah. It's like, this is also similar to uh, Mulan when uh, Mulan and the guy, the the warrior guy, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember his name, but you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know who you're talking he's about. He's like the, love the interest. general of the, yeah, the, he, he's the love interest. But it's interesting because he's under the assumption that Mulan is a man. <laughs> yet there's a bunch of sexual tension between them. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. there's always that idea of like, he was kind of disappointed when he found out Mulan was a girl. So like, because uh, <laughs> that's in the movie, he's like pissed when he finds out she's a girl. When he's when he sees that she has boobs, he gets pissed off. Yeah. So like, this, it's like in Mulan. That guy, apparently, he's into twinks, I guess. That's what you <laughs> call it. <laughs> but it's Disney, so they can't really say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, in this show, it's kind of the same thing, where Tygen thinks that Mizu is a guy, and there's clearly a lot of sexual chemistry and tension between them. But he thinks it's a guy this entire time. So And he got a boner when they were rolling around on the floor. So what's going to happen when he finds out that Mizu's a girl? And I feel like this show will delve into that a little bit more than Mulan did. Yeah, they're not going to hide for the fact that he was like uh, aroused by rolling around with a dude, you know, yeah. or what he thought was a dude. But you see, like... Yeah, that was weird, man. It it was I was like, oh dude, this is weird. You know, because I mean <laughs> I mean we all know that she's a girl, right? But he doesn't. Yeah. No, you know? he doesn't. <laughs> but but like being honest, did did you not want them to kiss? Were you not like, yeah? No, no. Really? No, no, oh, no, my no, God. no, 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 dude. Cause in you know, one person's a hetero and the other isn't. <laughs> I mean yeah. to each their own, right? I mean, but then like you're saying. Is he going to be disappointed when he finds out that she's a girl? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? I mean, he's into girls because in the beginning of the show, we saw him and the princess Akemi. Yeah. Yeah. They were banging. So, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and not just, no, not, not lovemaking, banging. They were banging. Yeah. They were banging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, Oh man, yeah, I don't know, man. I was uncomfortable with it. I was just like, oh dude, you're like, you know, you're like a little, you know, it's okay, you can be gay. But you're, you're a little closeted gay, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's into twinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what's uh, cool and, and, in Japan, I guess. And he was and she was, I keep saying he or her because it's so confusing, but Mizu was like, Oh, I got something to tell you. 
And, and I was yeah. like, oh, she's going to lay in them. She's going to tell them. She's going to tell them she's got a vagina, you know? And then she's like, oh, you know, uh, Kimu or, or Kemi, she, she got captured. I'm like, why didn't you tell her, tell him you have a vajayjay? You'll just tell yeah. him, you know? She chickened out. Yeah, she did. Which oh. then uh, made Tygen pissed off at her. Yeah. That she knew about a Kemi this entire time and didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I don't know what, there was there was a thinking in my head that she was thinking like maybe if she tells you know uh Tygen that Ikemi is moving on then he would move on and then she can tell him that she that she's a she i think is what she was going at i think is what she was trying to do you know he'd be upset he'd go over it and then he you know then she can tell him that she's a girl no, I see. Like, I would hope that's. I think what was happening is after everything that happened with her husband and pretty much with anyone that she's ever loved, mm. I feel like she's closed herself off to feeling love and mm. she purposely self sabotages. Uh, I felt like she was purposely trying to push him away again. I think you're right. She was, she was, she was on purpose trying to piss him off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, to make yeah. him back off. Yeah, for sure. Even though she wants it too. It's clear at the show hints at it quite a bit that Mizu is also attracted to Tygen. Yeah. Well, that's messed up though, man. Cause that guy used to beat the crap out of her. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I mean, she beat the shit out of him too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, she took years of abuse from the guy. That's right. When he was a little kid, he would bully her. Yeah. Like all the time. It made it seem like, you know, and then they burned down her house. Like, I don't know if he did it, but I know that somebody did it. Yeah. And they kind of rejoiced that the fact that her house got burned down. He's an asshole. Yeah. He's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. But then we yeah. also find out that he had like a terrible upbringing, right? Wasn't her, his dad a piece of shit? Yeah. But you know, it's a lot of trauma, man. Yeah. No, all these, <laughs> characters, of, yeah, all these yeah. characters go through some shit. You yeah, know. it's a lot of hurt people hurting people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean there's there's a path for 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 them to like uh, there's a path of retribution, right? Or there's a path for for forgiveness for them. Um, but mm, like they're not there yet, not for me anyway, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh I'm I'm both their cases. Uh, more so him than 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 her. Uh, yeah, he's got a lot to figure out. Well, yeah, and he's got a lot of forgiveness. He's got to got to get back he's getting there you know he yeah. saved their life a few times you know yeah but um i don't know for the wrong reasons this is like oh i saved your life so i can kill you later i think <laughs> that's just like what he's saying you know but i think by that point we already reached it where he clearly cares about her mm -hmm. or him him yeah <laughs> <laughs> cares about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they have that that problem with pronouns back then. Yeah, um, well, I don't know, man. They got a lot to work out. Tyin <laughs> working out his sexuality. Mizu <laughs> working on their pronouns. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, no, I don't think I don't think uh Mizu has a problem with pronouns. I think I think she just she's not like like oh I identify as this. She's more yeah. like uh I'm pretending to be this. I'm not saying I'm anything else. I'm not saying sure. that I'm that. You're gonna assume that I'm that because of the way I'm dressed. Yes. She's uh her gender is not fluid. 
No. She knows she's a woman. Yeah. But she presents as a male. Uh, yeah. yeah. And lets you make the rest of the assumptions. She, yes. doesn't, she doesn't come to you and say, my pronouns are. You know? <laughs> yeah. She just lets Jesus you give you, she just lets you give her the pronouns and she doesn't get angry about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, man. Um, all right. What, uh, what was your favorite episode? Oh man. Um, I want to, man, you know, they're all so good, but I think I want to say that the, the episode where she gets to the castle was super cool. I wasn't mm-hmm. a fan of how that episode, that particular episode ended. Um, okay. But I was, I was intrigued by it because she made a tactical decision to jump out of the window to leave the castle at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was wise. I mean, it's, it's a wise decision on, on the character's part to jump out the window with, with, with Tygen because she felt that she was not going to be able to win the, the fight. No. It, was getting, it was getting too risky. And, and, and Fowler was like, about to kill Tygen too. Yeah. And, and, and it was like, you came so close. You are so close. You went through all this shit. Yeah. To get to this guy. Now, mind you, that particular episode is very uh, reminiscent of the game of death where Bruce Lee has to climb the different floors and mm-hmm. fight different people and, and go through different things to get to the main bad guy. This was, this was again, very reminiscent of that, except not every floor had a villain. Some of the floors had traps. Mm-hmm. So there's like a little Indiana Jones going on in there too. You, one thing I thought it was interesting is you make these change, these levels, you, you go to the next level, and you've achieved something, right? Is what it what the game of death is saying. Each level presents a new problem. And as you solve these problems, that shows how well skilled you are. So, like, you know, if you want to pull it, put it in, you know, belt in, in like a jujitsu or martial arts, karate uh, way of thinking, you say that, you know, first floor is white belt, second floor is, you know, blue or whatever, purple, brown, etc. Mm-hmm. Right, so she's climbing the hierarchy. She's making it through each level, and, and it is each level is harder. Right, it gets more and more difficult. More so, like each challenge gets harder, and she she excels and goes through that level. She's achieving new levels every single time. But in this version, in in the game of death, that is the case. And Bruce Lee is just going through every level. He just goes to floor one, two, three, etc. In this particular episode, she doesn't go to one and then to three. I mean, to, to one, then two, and then three. She goes to two, then three, comes back down to one, goes back up to two. And then cont- and she, so she's going up and down these levels. But every time she gets, every time she comes back up, she goes up one more. You know, so like there was, there was one uh, part where she blows up the, the floor. And she falls through the floor and yeah. falls into the kitchen. The first level, she actually made it into the house or the, the castle. Then she, you know, she cleans herself up, comes back up, goes right back up to the levels. So like that is very uh, <clears throat> sure. Martial arts is like that, but it's more a metaphor for life where it's just like, yeah, you're going to make progress in life. But, you know, every now and then you're going to get knocked down, down to first 
down to the first floor again. And you're going to have to, you know, come back up. But it'll be easier to go up to the next levels, you know. You're just going to have to climb right back up. I thought that was very interesting, and I wonder if it was done on purpose. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that would have been cool if that's... Uh, that's the thinking? Yeah, where they were going with that. Mm. I also felt like there was um, some homages to video games, mm. uh, especially when she's sneaking around and stuff. That's pretty similar to a lot of games now. Um, also, we, forgot, we didn't mention that Tygen midway through the season gets captured by Fowler and this entire time Tigan's also been in the castle being tortured uh, pretty viciously too. Yeah. Uh, by the time she finds Tigan in the castle, he's just a puddle. Like he's yeah. completely broken. Uh, can't even stand, can barely even see. <laughs> but there's that funny scene where Tigan thinks that she's there to rescue him. <laughs> uh, and that he notices that instead of going out of the castle, they're continuing to go up. And he's like, uh, out is down. Why are we going up? And then yeah. she's like, I'm here to kill Fowler. And he's like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> yeah. 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 He he said that a few times in that episode too. He's just like, I hate yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I, all I could think about is like, okay, dude, you're free. Get out. You know? <laughs> you yeah. don't need- well, he couldn't even walk. So yeah, he's kind of forced to just go wherever she's going. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, the other thing too is, is like would he be able to make it out by himself with all the guards and stuff that are crawling around at this point you know yeah but I also thought it was interesting in that particular episode that she spared the one guy that helped her the one guard that helped her get her sword back oh yeah because there was because um, in another episode she you know when uh, when I, I think it was the episode where they invaded the brothel mm-hmm when the bad guys invaded the brothel and she beats everybody up, there was this like young bad guy, young kid who was hiding and she found him by accident Yeah, and saw him hiding and she decides to kill him. Yeah. He wasn't going to do anything. Well, that's because earlier in that episode, when she gets to the brothel, she finds out that the, the lady of the brothel, the hen, hen mom or whatever, yeah, there's, there's a term for it, but I don't remember. There was another one of the girls that was working for her that the main mob boss in the town had abducted and had been keeping to himself. And the house mom tells Mizu if she can rescue her, she'll give her she'll give Mizu information on how to get to Fowler, how to get into that castle. Mm. So Mizu goes. Well, no. She didn't want Mizu to rescue the girl. She wanted Mizu to put the girl out of her misery. That's right. So then Mizu sneaks into the mob boss's house that also is surrounded by a bunch of these bad guys, these henchmen. She gets in there. She does kill the girl. And then on her way out, a little boy sees her. And Mizu spares the little boy and tells him to just run away and tell the police that there's been a murder inside that house. But don't tell them anything about her. Instead, the little boy ran straight to the mob boss and ratted her out. Yeah. And that's why the mob boss and that all those henchmen came to attack the brothel. Yeah. So I think it was Mizu learning from earlier in the episode, I should have not shown any mercy. And that that's why at the end, when one of those henchmen guys has given up and he's begging for mercy, she kills him anyway. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Because I was like, because the other thing too is, is like that wasn't the kid from before. That was no, a little, it was a different little kid. kid. It was a different yeah, that, kid. 
That was a little kid in the beginning. Yeah. And the, the, the other, that other kid, he was like 15 or something. He was a little yeah. older, but she yeah. killed him anyway. And I'm like, Oh, you know, like, why'd you do that? You know, I didn't put that together. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So yeah, she's learning some bad lessons. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, like well, she's ugh. fueled by revenge. Yeah. 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 Ooh. Oh man. That's really sad. I was just going to say it. It's a gorgeous show. It's really, it's a really, really pretty show, the animation, but it is also really fucking dark. Yeah. Yeah. There's some tough lessons she's learning in this show. All mm-hmm. the characters are. Yeah. Right? You know, um, the women especially seems like. Even uh, Fowler, we get his origin story and we find out he's the way he is because he's Irish and he lived during the great famine, the potato famine in Ireland and how all the people in his family died from famine and it was just him and his little sister left and he would kill rats so to be able to feed her to keep her alive and he would starve himself eventually she gets sick and she dies and then he has to eat her kidneys to stay alive himself and he says that was the last time well he said every bite of food he's ever taken since then he still tastes her kidneys oh. and then he said that was the last time he ever had to do anything because he had to yeah so that's what made him so dark and willing to cross whatever line needed in order to gain power himself yeah but, he's, but it's like i was just gonna say it's his own trauma like like all the characters in the show he's also being guided by his trauma too yeah but you can you can choose to to take that trauma and make you think okay well i don't want anybody else to be like this or go through this instead he says no you know i'm gonna go ahead and like be selfish about this and and make it so that i never have to i never have to suffer and i don't care who i don't know who suffered i don't care who suffers in in you know around me when while i'm not suffering because he saw so many people die that others lives don't matter to him anymore yeah yeah he even said that he bled for his sister he bled and fed his sister with his blood oh yeah that's right i forgot yeah Yeah. and that sustained her for a little bit but not not for very long yeah this is yeah and and you know i mean let's let's be real like uh i know this is you know just a show but you know like uh those days were rough man like uh yeah there was war uh, a lot of it and there was there there's famine and there there wasn't any technology and you know people pooped outside and you know if you died nobody cared you know unless you know you were a higher up and in, in something if you have some kind of status but like if you were a nobody you could they could you could die and no one would know you know yeah uh, um traveling wasn't easy traveling was very dangerous it's just like uh yeah it makes you think like oh man we take a lot of shit for granted in this world you know we can take a plane and fly 10 hours and be in a completely different place we can be in spain in 10 hours when back then it, that would take months you know months some yeah. people wouldn't even survive the fucking trip yeah man you know um think about how angry you'd have to be to get on a boat for a month 
just because you want to go kill someone. Yeah. Like you got you got an entire month on a boat just to think about it, you know? <laughs> and still get there. Like I I don't know. I by that point I'd be like, I, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> like I'm too fucking tired. Yeah. And I, I my okay, so I do have a problem with the show. Okay. And and the, my problem is is that she she's angry at her dad for yeah. making it so that she is alive. Mm-hmm. We're giving birth to her. Yeah. You know, um, that, that, I, that doesn't, I don't understand that. I don't understand that whole premise. I know it's like the driving force for the character. It makes no sense to me. That's the I one feel thing. That I, I take it as her entire life has been nothing but suffering. Like it's just been one bad thing after the other. And even during the times when she wasn't like being actively persecuted, she was still living a really crummy life for a child. Yeah. Like the best times in her life was when she was living in a barn with the sword father, working grueling manual labor. And that's like the best time in her life. The rest of it's literally just been suffering. So I kind of feel like she holds this grudge against her father because she sees it as you gave me this life of suffering. Mm. And then she also feels like he raped her mom. So I feel like she also wants to get revenge for that. And we, we don't know if her mom is alive or dead either. She's under the assumption that her mother's been dead for this a majority of the time. And she also thinks that her father's behind that. Um, so yeah, I, I understood why she wants that revenge, but it is dark to be mad at someone for giving you life. So yeah, it, it's, <laughs> So she's mad at the dad for giving her the sucky life. And you think that maybe she would be, she would feel different if he would have stuck around and given her a better life that she, that maybe that's what she wanted is if her dad would have stuck around and changed her life that she wanted a father. uh, I think she wanted a normal father, (laughs) like not some like awful white dude from England or Ireland, yeah. wherever the if one of the four happens to be from. Um, I feel like, yeah, I think she's just mad that this is how her life started. Yeah. And, and, she, blame, and she blames her dad for it. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. But it, you know, cause I mean, she plays it out. Like when she talks about killing her dad, she makes it sound like she hates her. She hates being alive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, now that you explained it, it makes a little more sense to me. Like it makes more sense. It makes more sense. I still, do, it's, but it's still, it's weird to me. You know? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's so good though. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I can't wait to see what they'll do next. I mean, uh, <sighs> The, the the references to other movies that won't end. Uh, I hope I hope they keep going down this Quentin Tarantino like uh, path, I, and I hope they do something completely crazy for the next season. Because like like uh, like they did in Kill Bill, I keep making the Kill Bill reference. Yeah, uh, I can't. There's hope a lot it. of similarities though. Yeah, I I like to think that this was the Asian version of the show. And mm-hmm. next season is going to be something completely different because oh, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, that's what they did with volume one and volume two of kill bill. 
The first yeah. one was a, like a Hong Kong samurai homage. And the second one was a Western mm-hmm. or Western like. Yeah. You know, the second one was a lot slower. It's a lot more. slower, played a lot different. The martial arts scenes weren't as uh, not completely different, but like, uh, but yeah, it was a little less Hong Kong cinema, you know, even though they had, um, uh, they did have Gordon Liu play that, that guy with the long mustache. <laughs> oh, yeah. With the Fu Manchu kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I forget what, what the name of that villain was, but yeah. Um, and it was funny, at least for Kill Bill, like uh, you live long enough to play the villain. He used to be, Gordon Liu used to be the hero in the story and he would fight that villain. Yeah. And in Kill Bill, he became that villain. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested where they go with this because uh, clearly they, there's a lot of thought put into this show. So, uh, the other interesting is, uh, like we said earlier, it was the show was created by a wife and a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, they had no prior background in anime. This is the first animated anything either one of them had ever worked on. Wow. Um, yeah, and I think that kind of shows, like like we said with the camera work, that a lot of it is kind of film like feels a live action, and the fight choreography also felt more similar to like a live action type of kung fu movie instead of an anime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's cool. Like it gave them a different perspective on how to make this. Um, and then something I, I, I don't think we mentioned is while the husband is the one that has, uh, a lot more of the background in producing and creating stuff because of the stuff he made with Logan and uh, blade runner, the wife was the one that came up with the concept for the show mm. because the husband is white and she's Japanese. And when they had their first child, when she was looking at their child, she was, she was happy and excited that the child looked so Western <laughs> and, and yeah. And then when she stopped to think about it, she was like, why did I feel that way? Yeah. Like I'm Japanese. Why am I excited that my child looks so white? Yeah. And then that's what made her come up with the idea for the show. My daughter's uh, half Asian and uh, half Mexican. And there was parts of me that was like, Oh, I can't wait for my daughter to watch this. And then, you know, you see the, <laughs> like the blood. I'm like, okay, maybe she can watch this. And yeah. then there's all the sex scenes. I was like, I can't have her watch this. <laughs> One day she'll be able to watch this when, you know, yeah. but not with me around, you know, um, I just, I love seeing content like that's like this, that's multicultural, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that in this context they use it. Uh, it's, it's more like racism, you know, <laughs> not necessarily yeah. multicultural, you know, Fowler at one point, And I don't know if you remember, but Fowler at one point says, Oh, we're going to get, I'm going to, we're going to open the doors and the, everybody yeah. that looks like me is going to show up and you guys are going to love, we're going to, we're going to infest this, this world or this, this land so much that you guys are going to be happy when you see people like me and you, we're going to yeah. be, we're going to be the, the preferred look or whatever. Yeah. He says, um, right now you look at me with disgust, but when we're done, people that look like me will be the only thing you think is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of like what happens, right? A little bit. I mean, look at Latinos, bro. Yeah. Put on any novella and all the, all the actors look pretty white. They don't really look traditionally Hispanic. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. There is a little bit of recent racism in, in, uh, in Mexico too, but in Japan, there is, there is some weird kind of, and I don't, 
this is from the little bit I read, so I don't really know. But from my understanding, they're, they, they are strict on conformity. So even if your hair, for example, is blonde, you're like, you know, you're, you're half white or whatever, and you have blonde hair, they mm -hmm. want conformity. So you have to dye your hair in school. Wow. Yeah. Your hair has to be black, just like everybody else's. That's pretty wild. Yeah. You can't stand out. Even if your natural hair color is a different color, it has to be black like everybody else. I don't know any of that. Yeah. So there is, there is some racism in, in Japan. Uh, and they, they, they are a very, very cohesive uh, culture. They are very much, they very much stick to their own. And, uh, and so then when Westerners show up, yeah, they'll entertain you. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. cool to have you around, but yeah, they don't expect you to stick around. And it, and I, yeah. from the little bit that I know, uh, pe people who visit definitely get that sense. Yeah, you, know? you feel it. Yeah, it's interesting to see that in a different culture too. But there, it's 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 really unique because, like I'm saying, and again, me speaking from complete ignorance, I really don't know what it's like there. They very much stick to their own. I've heard stories where like fighters, for example, will go over there and fight and stuff like that. But when you go over there and, and, and even if you're a good Westerner and mm -hmm. you know all the culture and you're educated and you, and you try your best to assimilate, you're like the good Westerner, but you're still a Westerner. You know, um, if you, if you're a Westerner and you don't know any of the culture and you break all the rules and you don't mean to, et cetera, it doesn't matter. You're the bad Westerner, you know? And even mm. if you're Japanese or Asian or, or if of Japanese descent, but you're not born and you don't really live there, you're still kind of an outcast. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot for you to, you, you actually have to be born there live a majority of your life to be, to find acceptance. Um, so it's interesting that, that, this is something that the mom that the, one of the co-writers produced. Maybe there's a subconscious concern for her daughter and her acceptance because she will stick out. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cool things that I've seen on Instagram is uh, people who are half Japanese or people who are, are Japanese, but born in another place or, they're born in Japan and spent a lot of time overseas. And so they have this experience that's not completely 100% Japanese. Mm -hmm. um, and their stories are interesting. Um, yeah, I bet. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen some girls who are half black, they have dreads or whatever, and they live in Japan and they want to be in Japan and Japanese life is all they know. And then there are some girls who are girls and guys. I shouldn't say just girls, but some girls, I say girls cause we're talking about Mizu and stuff. But there's there's some girls and guys that that are half Japanese or whatever, and they learn Japanese outside. But when they come and you know, just like Mexicans, they, they you know they they go to the the mother country and uh, they don't speak the language as good as clearly as as the natives, and they, everybody picks up on it right away, <laughs> right away. Yeah. Uh, and you're instantly not considered that culture. You're not Mexican or you're not Japanese. It's just like so. It's not just. Mexicans that do this, it's everybody. Everybody does this. Yeah. This whole thing. Every where culture you, has it. Yeah. You're less yeah, like than me and you. Me and you here in the US, we're Mexican. Mm -hmm. But if we go to Mexico, they look at us like we're American. Oh, yeah. 100%. We'll stick yeah. out. You no, and I will stick out. out, dude. Oh, yeah. You're too tall and too white. <laughs> and I'm too fat. 
You know? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, for sure. We're, I'm also too tall. Dude. I bet my Spanish is good too. And yeah? right away, right away, they pick it up mm. that I'm not from around there. Yeah. Cause I, no matter how good your Spanish is. Yeah. It's not going to be the same. You don't say the same slang. You don't, you don't have the mm. same accent. None of that. So no, it sticks no. out. It, it does. And I think, uh, it all depends on the region too, that you go to. But I mean, I don't know about, about your accent, but my accent's all over the place. It's not just, <laughs> it's not just from like the Northern part where my mom is from or where your dad is from. It's, yeah. it's, it's a mess. Now I listen to the, the radio and, uh, yeah. you know, I've, I've been to a couple of places. And so my accent is just a nonsense accent. It's not, it's not anything. I don't think anymore. I don't think it's Mexican. I don't, I don't think it's anything. <laughs> it's just noise that I make that sounds like Spanish. <laughs> yeah, it's funny if you just sound Cuban now. <laughs> yeah, I sound a little, sound a little Cuban, a little Spanish, yeah. a little, a little Puerto Rican. <laughs> it's whatever's playing on the radio, whatever's hot, you know. Um, oh, you sound like Bad Bunny now. I sound like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> I just mumble all my Spanish. Um, yeah. yeah. Or one episode I did want to uh, talk about was the episode where Mizu goes to the brothel mm-hmm. for the first time, and. Uh, they jump around in time. I found that one interesting. Oh, yeah. Because you follow Mizu at first and then you follow uh, Akimi and, you know, and then like they just keep going back and forth. It starts in the very beginning of the show. It starts at the end or in the, towards the end where Akimi meets Mizu. Mm-hmm. And then they jump around in time and tell you how they got to that point. Yeah. From, from both I- sides. We should mention Akemi knows that Mizu is the one that embarrassed Taigen. Mm-hmm. She's the one that dishonored him. So Akemi also wants to kill Mizu. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. At one point. Yeah, at one point. Yeah. Because uh, like we said, Akemi wants to marry Taigen. The only reason her father even agrees to let her, her marry Taigen is Taigen's considered like the best warrior and the number one samurai. So there is some honor in that. But now that Mizu embarrassed him and beat him, all his honor's been stripped away and he is no longer worthy of marrying a princess. Yeah. Yeah. So she was kind of, she's kind of angry. I don't know if she's necessarily looking for vengeance, but she's angry. Well, Um, she does. She was trying to poison Mizu. Yeah. But the poison that she was giving her wasn't going to kill her. It was just going to drug her. And uh, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe she would have killed her. But I mean, I don't think she really set out for vengeance. Vengeance is just something she thought of at the moment because she, she couldn't find uh, Taigen. She found Mizu instead and decided she was going to go after Mizu. And, and Mizu uh, was wearing Taigen's scarf. Yeah, that's how, that's how she figured that out. And then it yeah. became this big thing where, she, where, where Mizu became uh, grateful for... Or I'm sorry, not Mizu. Uh, Ikemi became grateful for Mizu because Mizu mm-hmm. basically saves her and the whole brothel. Yeah. You know? But yeah. Oh man, dude. Oh dude, this this is <laughs> I'm you know what you know what's the biggest disappointment about this show? Is that okay. it's only, it's only eight episodes. Yeah, it's just eight episodes and they fly by. They fly by. You can't stop watching. No. Yeah, it's and who knows how long we're gonna wait. Uh, Netflix, as last time I checked, they still haven't uh, picked it up for season two. What? 
Yeah, at least officially. And the creators were out like pushing on social media like Netflix is still deciding whether or not to do a season two. We have four seasons planned. If you really want to see this story, uh, the full story, please, please recommend the show to everyone you know. Put it out there that you want to see it. Uh, Comment on, send messages to Netflix. Tell them how much you like the show because they still haven't made up their mind. What? Yeah. Oh, come on, Netflix. Uh, Bro, this is what Netflix does. Uh, they they cancel shit left and right all the time or don't do a season two so i don't know who knows what'll happen oh man they need they need to do a season two they need to do all the seasons they i mean <laughs> there's so much cool stuff we started watching um zom 100 i thought that was great mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've we watched the first episode that that show is awesome dude um, zom 100 zom 100 i never uh, even heard of it it's okay so uh the first episode is is basically introduces you to the world this guy he um he gets he's a what you call a salary man he's just an office worker mm-hmm. he says he gets his first job uh, this is a live action show no this is a well yes it's actually a, i believe it's actually a movie oh okay but it's uh but it's also an anime gotcha and, so like this guy he's an office worker he's living this you know he finally gets his first job he's excited about his job he falls in love with this you know one of the secretaries or somebody who's walking around in the office she's gorgeous and uh he's thinking all you know i'm gonna while i'm here i'm gonna get to know that girl and i'm gonna get her number we're gonna start dating and i'm gonna be real good at my job and then he quickly realizes that he's living in hell his job doesn't end dude like his his like it's a, it's one of those jobs that just pushes you into the ground and oh, wow. uh, so he's like working like around the clock people are sleeping at the office um and when he's not they get yelled at they get yelled at for for messing up they get chewed out people quit you know left and right there's a high turnover at this joint and it's one of those places where it's like and this happens on the, like in the first few minutes like he gets a job, he works, he works his eight hour shift. They go out at a party. And then after partying, after being drunk, they're expected to go back to the office and work some more. And then people yeah. are sleeping under the desks and stuff. And this happens for three years. Oh Time my God. Flight. Yeah. He's living, he's being tortured. And as, as the show goes on that first episode, everything begins to dull. All the color gets, pulled out of the frame and everything's in black and white um until finally uh something crazy happens and the zombie apocalypse starts and so he doesn't realize that the zombie apocalypse is happening and and he's walking through like he becomes a drone he's just like walking around he's like a zombie himself he's walking through life he's walking through his his apartment building and then people are dying left and right and in the peripheral, he starts seeing color, you know, and not just like because it's blood, right? But it's not blood. It's like it's not red. It's green. It's yellow. It's purple. It's blue. It's all kinds of different yeah. colors. It's not red. It's all of a sudden it's color. The color is coming back into the frame, and, but everything else is still black and white. Just the blood is all different color, Crayola colors. And so then this guy realizes, oh, shit, it's the zombie apocalypse. I don't have to go to work anymore. <laughs> and then he says, I can live my life. 
Oh my God. This is like, there's nobody going to be in the office anymore. I can live however I want to live. So is this show kind of a comedy? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like a horror comedy. So this guy, so he's got a, he's got a bucket list and he's going to, he's going to fulfill everything in the bucket list. There's like skydiving and all kinds of crazy stuff. So to him, the zombie apocalypse is the best thing that's ever happened to him. Yeah. It's his chance to live life while everybody is walking around being zombies. That's a cool concept. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure if this is actually real life for him or if he's just finally like lost his, you know, fell off oh, his rocker okay. and yeah. it's kind of nuts because the color never goes like the weird colors never go away everything uh, you know once once he realizes he has this realization that he can live life now the color gets back into everything but then mm-hmm. like there's he it's just weird blood is still green and yellow and blue and purple okay and so i'm wondering like is this guy imagining all this yeah are the zombies that are walking around are they just normal people and he's just imagining this or what (laughs) so i've only been into like the first episode uh i can't wait to watch the the rest of it but that that show that that is promising the zombies don't attack him they do they chase him around oh okay and they're like the running kind yeah oh okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah those are the worst zombies too fucking much yeah (laughs) so the version you're watching on Netflix, mm-hmm. that's an anime, or it's that's the anime. Okay, but there's gotcha. there's a, I think a few movie versions. Okay, I think there's like All sequels. Right. Yeah, should check it out. I'll check it out. You yeah. know something else that we were watching? What's that? Uh, did you watch Squid Games? I did. Yeah, the, so it's a game show now. Have you watched it? I have not watched it. Okay, so. <laughs> Normally, I don't care about game shows or uh-huh. reality TV shows, which this is kind of a mix of the both. It's a game show and reality show. It's uh, it's fucking bonkers. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get sucked in, dude. Really? And you hate, you grow to hate some of the people on this show so freaking much, like to the <laughs> point where it's like they have personally offended you. Wow, that's how much you are rooting against some of these people. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. There is barely anyone on the show you even like, let alone root for, but there is a lot of people you fucking hate. And that, <laughs> that makes you keep watching because you're rooting for them to lose so bad. Wow. But if you want something stupid to just put on uh-huh. and you get sucked into it, uh, the Squid Games game show is actually pretty good. So I, I know that the game show's on there and the only, I, I haven't, you know, like I try to avoid watching game shows on, on Netflix or just any yeah, of those. because they're stupid. Yeah, it's usually silly, you know, but, um, but, you know, I just assumed that one was going to be silly. So I'll check it out. But one of the things I did hear about the show is, is that I guess there's like, uh, there's like a copyright or a licensing issue with the show. I don't, Uh, I don't don't know about that. Yeah. I think, I know there's lawsuits. Some of the contestants are suing the show. Oh, are they? Yeah. I think think there's a problem with, um, with licensing on that show. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, here, let me see. Licensing for I don't I don't know who I I I assumed it was the same people that did the show were doing the game show. I guess not. No, because the I, grand prize is four point six million dollars, which what? is huge for a game show. That is huge. So I was on the assumption, oh, a really big studio is putting this together. It's probably the same people that made the show. So no, that's odd then. So Netflix agrees to casino licensing deal based on the, on the hit show Squid Game. 
Mm, what to know about the reality show? I'm not seeing it. Maybe maybe I'm smoking stuff. <laughs> there was um another show had a licensing issue. Oh god, now I can't remember. So maybe you saw that story. Maybe. Damn. Yeah, well, I mean, I do see here the on the Guardian Squid Game the challenge the challenge contestants threatened to legal uh threaten legal action against Netflix and producers. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, no no nothing about copyright. Maybe maybe I gotta put in copyright. Yeah, I know the the contestants are suing because there are some challenges on the show where on the show it's made out to be like they only took like 20 minutes or whatever, whatever yeah. the time limit was. When in reality, when they filmed it, it took like five, six hours straight to film <laughs> that challenge. Oh, shit. So the contestants are like, this was torture. Like, so they, they want some kind of compensation for that. I don't think they have much of a chance of winning that lawsuit because you signed up for this. Like, I don't, I don't really know where you think that's going to go, but so we'll see. So Netflix boosting Squid Game trademark protection and the ECJ ruling in favor of Ferrari. What the fuck? That's, <laughs> an, that's an intellectual property help desk, but that's not. Lawyers react to the Squid Game IRL's copyright issues. There you go. <clears throat> Apparently, I think it's on Mr. Beast's channel or something. Oh. But yeah, there's there's a problem, I guess, with the copyright issue with... Uh, Squid game. Well, regardless, the finale for the game show is tomorrow. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying you should sit around and binge like nine hours of this, but oh, how many? Epi- how long are the episodes? Um, they're like 45 minutes, I think. Oh, that's kind of long. Yeah, how they're kind of epi- long. How many episodes? Eight, nine? I don't know. Well, that's not too bad. No, but if you watch it, if you watch it with your wife, I think it'd be a fun show. Your kids could watch it. There's like no nudity. There's no blood. You know, like on Squid Games when people die, like they get shot or whatever. Yeah. And this one, they're wearing like an ink pack in their shirt. So when they die, that just explodes and it's just <laughs> black ink. It's not even red. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll check that out. I would love to see what they did with like the doll in the beginning of the show. The what? You know, the doll. Remember the giant oh, they doll? do that. Yeah. yeah, the red light, green light. That's the, the red, very first challenge. Yeah, the red light, green light. I saw the I saw people licking cookies. <laughs> yeah, that one's in that, there. Yeah, I saw that in my social streams. I'm like, oh, they, I guess this is a show that they're doing. Yeah, they also do the one where uh, they have to run across that bridge made of glass. Yeah. Remember that? And the glass would break depending on which one you chose. They do that one too. That's awesome. Yeah. That that one was nerve wracking too. Oh yeah, dude. Nerve wrecking on the game show too. It's oh, gonna yeah? piss you off. That one, because <laughs> me and most of my friends have been watching. Yeah, that one pissed us off more than anything else. So <laughs> if you do watch, I want to hear your reaction to that. Okay, I'll I'll check it out then. You you haven't There's, led me astray so far, man. No, you know? I the other show I recommend is Scavengers Rain, but that one's fucking weird. So I think it's the kind of show you either love or you hate. So I don't Scavenger, know if you're going to like it. Scavenger's Ring, what is, is that a live action show or is that a... No, it, it's another anime. See, dude, it's this is the most anime I've ever been watching probably <laughs> since I was a little kid, actually. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, I mean, it's technically not an anime. It's just an yeah. animated show. 
Uh-huh. It's a sci-fi. These people on a spaceship get stranded on this weird planet. The planet is beautiful. The animation is beautiful, but everything on the planet is dangerous. So even though the stuff looks really pretty and cute, it can kill you. So it's just these people, they're all spread out across the planet. They're trying to get back to the spaceship and hopefully fix it and get off the planet. But awful shit just keeps happening to them. So it's it's kind of a horror. Okay. It's creepy. It's a bit of a horror. It's scary. Like the entire time you feel uneasy. Like there's this tension in the air at all times, even when good things are happening. So and is that on Netflix? That one's on HBO. Okay, I'll check it out. I haven't heard of this one. Yeah. But yeah, man. Real quick on Blue Eye. Um, hopefully people check it out. Hopefully it gets renewed for season two. Uh, it's popping up. Like right now, a lot of people are putting out like their best shows of the year, the best animated shows of the year. And it's popping up at the top of most people's list. So. It's on it's the top of it's not the top of my list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what would, okay, from one to ten, what would you rate the show? Oh, dude, ten being the best. Yeah, ten being the best. Nine. Oh, no, that's where I'm at too. And I would give it a 10, but my I have an issue with um her taking dude with her. <laughs> yeah. On on her little you know, hunt for, for the other bad guys. And uh I have issue with her whole reason to kill her dad. <laughs> it's just weird. I just it's a weird premise. You know I, I have issues too. Uh I was a nine, and it's mostly because I felt like the finale was pretty weak. I also I th- felt like some of the finale felt rushed and some of the animation fell off a little bit in the finale hmm. personally, but yeah, overall I, I loved it. I've, I've recommended it to everyone. Even people yeah. that I know don't watch animated shows. I'm like, no, just check it out. You're going to like it. Yeah. I thought you were going to say even people I don't know. Hey, you, oh, yeah. whatever your name is, watch there this it. show. <laughs> yeah. I need you to watch it. I need a season two. Just put it on in the background. I don't even care if you pay attention. <laughs> Oh yeah. man, yeah, no, dude, I'll definitely make a a little uh, a little social post for this too. Oh, you know? cool. Yeah, I usually take little snippets out of the show and throw it on a picture or something and throw it on the web. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which part are you going to use the when we were debating the pronouns or <laughs> when we were talking about the nudity on the show? Oh man, you know the pronouns would probably get a lot of traction, but I I don't know if I want to get canceled. Yeah, not that the kind of traction you want. No, not not that not that we said anything wrong. But I mean, she was being misgendered, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. she never said she never said she was a guy. She, she no. let people assume. She's yeah. so fucking badass, bro. Yeah. I hope th- I, if the show takes off, I could see like Mizu becoming a popular character at uh, like um, anime conventions. You know, people yeah. that do the dress up and stuff uh, or on yeah. Halloween. Yeah, the cosplay. Yeah. Yeah, the cosplay. She's just a cool fucking character, and yeah. she looks cool with the orange sunglasses and everything. Yeah, and the hat. Yeah, and yeah, the hat. It's just so fucking badass. It's totally. But yeah. Yeah. All right, man. I'm, well, let's call it quits unless you yeah, got something wrap else. Up there. No, that's everything, man. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Lechuga. Yeah. Tune and in for our best of the year list. Coming soon. Yes, sir. I'm yeah. looking to release that on the 25th. So I'm, Ooh, on Christmas. Christmas, Christmas Eve, one of those days. <laughs> So uh, stay tuned and we got more to come. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Later. The music you're listening to is titled Sweet Thing by Tell Sonic. You can find that over at Epidemic Sound. 
And if you haven't heard about Epidemic Sound, they provide royalty-free music for a low monthly cost. If you're a content creator like myself, you definitely want to look into Epidemic Sound because they have a great selection of music. They got something called Future Bass, which I am totally digging right now. And they also got other things like reggaeton, hip-hop, etc. So if you're looking for really unique music, you definitely want to check out epidemic sound and when you do go check them out make sure you use my referral link in the description if you're in the market for fitness equipment such as weights dumbbells barbells maybe you even want a squat rack you definitely want to check out titan fitness i believe in this brand i own quite a bit of equipment from titan fitness but the best thing about titan fitness is the price they have great quality equipment at a decent price there's plenty of other fitness brands out there but sometimes you're paying more for the name than you are for the actual quality that you're getting. Titan Fitness gives you the quality that you're looking for without overpaying. So make sure you check them out. And when you do, use my referral link in the description. I can't say enough good things about Blue-Eyed Samurai. I totally dig this show. It is on Netflix. Last I heard, they were basically kind of campaigning for a second season. It may not happen. So please watch the show. Give it the ratings it deserves so that we get another season because I'm totally digging this show. I'll probably watch it again. Now, if you're new to the show, make sure you check out our website, theflowrollpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes, but you'll also find different playlists for the different themes that we handle on the show. We have movie reviews, we have jujitsu episodes, etc. So make sure you go over there and check that out so that you get the specific episodes you're looking to binge. So if you want to follow me and all my nonsense on social media, you can find me on Instagram under the name Edgar Otraves. Or you can follow the show under the name The Flow Roll. And if you're digging the show, make sure you like, subscribe, comment wherever you get your podcast at. And don't forget to share it on social media with all your friends. And as always, make sure you press all the buttons that make the podcast gods happy. Thank you so much for listening to this video otra vez. We will catch you next time. Behave yourselves. Latest.